Listen, we're on a, a series today that, we're, that I think is so critical in, in our world right now called Mindset. And we're going to talk, talk today. Uh, the tagline of the series is really this, the title of the sermon today, the, the story that you tell yourself. Uh, it made me think a lot about all these years and years ago when uh, even I think it was before streaming came along. Imagine that, you know, there's actual televisions and you had to change channels and all that stuff. You didn't get to watch it on demand and and there was this show, it came out, and it was called Extreme Makeover. Now, not, not the home edition, which those were cool, but the Extreme Makeover where they would just take people and, and people that, that, you know, they looked one way or maybe they were down and out and, and this, this uh, makeup artist or a, a designer, a clothing designer, or sometimes a whole team of people would come alongside a woman or a, or a man and, and their family would be around and they would show them this, this new person. And you would, you would see wives and husbands or you'd see friends cry when they saw this person. And it always struck me every time I would watch those. I don't think I ever watched an extreme, home or, uh, extreme makeover home edition. I don't think I ever watched any of those without crying. I mean, those were, those were pretty, pretty powerful. But every time I saw these extreme makeovers with people, one of the things that always struck me was that that person was in there all along. That person was in there the whole time. But it took an artist with talent to bring them out, right? It took an artist with talent, or because if it didn't, if, if that person had never met that makeup artist or that hair designer or that fashion designer, if that person had never met that, that designer with talent, they would have kept going the rest of their lives just like that. They never knew that that person was in there the entire time. Today, we're going to talk about the story that you tell yourself. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I love this verse. We're not going to go there. This is just a, a verse I want to start out with. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. A new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God did it. God made us in Christ. He made us a new creature creature. The thing is, though, do you really believe that? And I want you, before you shake your head, before you say amen, and before you say, yes, I believe that, I want to challenge you. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that the old is gone and the new has come? I do believe that. I do. But I will tell you this, it's not easy. It isn't easy to see yourself as a new creature. You know why? Because we are too familiar with who we have been at times, who we have been in the past, and we also know not only what we've done, we also know what we do from time to time. We know some of the things we say. You know, I often think of, you ever think about this, like, what, what would they think about me if they only knew, like, in those moments that only my closest friends see. What would people think about me if they knew what went through my head? Oh, Lord Jesus, praise God, I don't know, but none of y'all really know what I think about you sometimes. That's just a joke, that was a total joke. I mean, you gotta loosen up, right? But, but really, if people knew what goes through my head when somebody pulls out in front of me, you know, things I think, things I don't say, or I don't know. I'm going to dig myself in a bad hole in a minute. I'm going to stop. We are a new creature in Christ. And, and as I've been reading 
through Colossians, which is where we're going to go in a minute, what I've been reading is that, that our belief, hear me now, our belief, your belief, what you believe steers, like a car, what you believe steers your direction. Do you hear me? What you believe steers your direction. Beliefs steer direction. They do. As I've been reading through Colossians this week, it, it, it was, I've read this book many, many, many times. But I will tell you something. I want to show you just a list of phrases. All of these come from the Word of God. Those are not things that I came up with. These are the things the Word of God says in Colossians about the mind. Paul says to put on. That's a mindset. He talks about the mind. Understanding. That's about the mental game. See to it that no one takes you captive. That's, that's about what goes into your head. Keep seeking. Set your mind. Consider. Renewal. Dwell. Lose heart. All of that is straight out of the book of Colossians. That book is full of of cognitive belief. So we're going to, if you've got a Bible, turn to uh, Colossians 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Now, that's kind of toward the end of your Bible. If you have a Bible, uh, it's, it's uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then you'll find um, Colossians. It's right before 1 Thessalonians. Now, uh, if you don't have, if you're on a digital device, uh, I'm using New American Standard. If you're on like your phone doing the, the, the U version or something, NASB, New American Standard, Colossians chapter 3. And here's what Paul says. He's talking to the, a group of Christians and he says, therefore, chapter 3, verse 1, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What a powerful statement. You've died and your life is hidden. You're not who you used to be. Literally, you're not who you used to be. Now, when you think about that word, that, that word, see where he says right there, keep seeking the things and set your mind. What that means is, in the most literal sense, what that means is to point your mind in a direction. When you came to Christ as a believer, you heard me say last week, if you did, if you were here, when you came to Christ, you didn't get a new brain, right? When I came to Jesus, I didn't get a new brain. I would have liked a new brain. It had been nice to have an upgrade of, of, of a new brain. I didn't get a new brain, but what I did get was a new mind. I got a new mind to interpret the world around me, how I see the world, how I see myself, how I see people, how I see money, how I see church. I got a new mind. I didn't get a new brain, but I got a new mind. And so when he says set your mind, he's talking about your mind set. And that is to literally take your mind and Point it in a direction. That's up to you, friend. Did you know that? Did you hear me? That's up to you. You know that old axiom we've heard all of our lives? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't what? Make them drink. Have you ever seen somebody that you just, if they only saw what you saw? Have you ever had a friend that was living, like taking on worry? And you ever had, you ever been in a situation where you saw all this potential in somebody, but they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. It's really true. 
So what is a mind versus a mindset? Well, a mind is what you control and a mindset is what controls you. Now you, listen, you could stay on that all week long. Just right, I could quit just right there, but I'm not because they, they pay me to keep going for long periods of time. I just, just, no, they, they really don't, but I choose to anyway. Um, so what, what is a mind versus a mindset? The mind is what you control. What did all those phrases that I just showed you a minute ago, put on, renewed, set your mind, keep seeking, all of that is on you. It's on me to do that. God gave me a new mind, he did. So I have control, listen, I can't control what comes into my head, but I can control what I do with it, amen? I can control what I do with it. I can't control the thoughts I have at times. I can't control what the enemy puts in front of me, but I can control what I do with it. And that's a mindset because what I do with it is what's gonna end up controlling me. Now, one of the things going on, if you, if you wanna understand the Bible, and this would be to all of you, please understand, you can't just lift scriptures out of context. You have to look at the whole of what Paul's trying to get at here. All right, and so you have to understand what, what is it he's really trying to say when it comes to a mindset. So there was something here going on that, that was a, a danger to this group of people. Because Paul, we're not gonna have to turn there, I put it on the screen for you. The situation is this, in Colossians 2, the, the chapter before it, Paul told the, the Christians at Colossae to see to it that no one takes you captive. Now let's just stop right there. You know that what he's meaning. What, what does it mean to be taken captive? It means to be held hostage. It means to be held against your will. It means to be tricked. It means to be fooled. It, it means to be deceived. And so Paul said, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, that's a belief system, and empty deception according to the tradition of men, that is to human wisdom, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. You see, the, the situation, he wrote this book, Colossians. He wrote it, just it would be no different if we got a letter one day from the Apostle Paul addressed to the people at Clearview. That was, they would have taken that letter in those days and they, Paul wasn't there, they would have got it through a courier and they would have taken that letter and they would have literally come on Sunday morning, hey everybody, we've got a new letter from the Apostle Paul who, start, who helped start this church. And I'm gonna read it to the congregation. That's exactly what was happening right here. And so when Paul read, when he wrote this letter, he knew something was going on in that church. There was a problem in that church. And that problem was the outside forces of this world was trying to get them to believe something. And so the most frontal attack they faced as a, as a church, just like Clearview, the most frontal attack that they faced were philosophies that were telling them that Jesus Christ isn't enough. That maybe they needed some Judaism mixed in. Maybe they needed some Greek philosophy mixed in. Maybe Christ was a good person, but he wasn't the only way to heaven. There were empty philosophies that were weaving. Their, they were always battling a different Mindset. Have you ever noticed that the world, do you ever notice this, friend? Do you ever notice that you're constantly being bombarded with messaging that's trying to get you to believe something? It's all over the place. You hear things all the time, even on radio ads or television ads. You deserve blank, a vacation. You, you deserve better. 
You're constantly getting bombarded with information that tells you you're, you're not right if you don't believe this. You're different if you don't believe this. You should conform to believing this. It's con- there's a constant battle. No different than what the people back then faced. So the most frontal attack that they faced was that maybe Christ isn't enough. And Paul said, yes, he is. Jesus Christ has changed you. He's changed you. And you have a new mind. See to it that nobody takes you hostage, captive. See, the story that you tell yourself, the story that you tell yourself matters. And that story is what you believe. And what you believe will steer your direction. So the story you tell yourself matters. And I want to say before we go any further... You can't understand anything we're about to say in the next few minutes. Are you listening? You can't understand anything that we're about to say in the next few minutes unless you understand who Paul was addressing this letter to. And who he was addressing this letter to, he says it in the very first line of the letter. You know, when you write a letter to somebody, you say, good morning, or Hope you've been doing well. Sometimes I even feel compelled. That's the difference between Gen Xers and those of us in our 40s when we text somebody versus millennials when they text somebody and our students when they text somebody. I don't know why, but there's something inside of me when I send a text that might say, you know, there's Griff. Hey, Griff, hope you're doing well. Hope life's going good for you. It's like this salutation when I really just say, I'm running late, right? I really just need, he doesn't need to know all that. I just need to say, I'm running late. But there's something that the salutations tends to matter, and I don't know why I'm working on it, you know. Or maybe I should just be like the rest of the crowd and just text you a meme or something, you know, that shows a guy behind. I don't know. I I don't really understand all of it anymore. I'm just trying my best to keep up, right? I I am entering that age when I'm asking my two sons, how does this thing show me? What do I need to do on this? And that's awful. I I feel very old when I do that. But... But Paul said something in the salutation, the opening of the letter. And I want you to look at what he said. This is huge. He said, Paul, that's that's who's writing the letter, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful people, the the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. He wrote it not to sinners, to saints. The Bible says that if you are in Christ, friend, you are a, wait for it, you're a saint. And I want to tell you, that is one of the hardest, most challenging mindsets you'll ever face. Why? Because you know what you've done and you also know what you do from time to time. It is hard to see yourself as a saint. That Bible means ho- that, that word means holy one. You see, Christ made you holy. You can't do it on your own, but he did make you holy. He did make you holy. So let's talk about what a saint mindset is not. Let's start with that. Because the story you tell yourself matters. What you believe will steer your direction. Belief steers direction. Okay, belief steers direction. So let's talk about what saint thinking is not. A saint mindset is not. Here we go. A saint mindset is not positive thinking. 
A saint mindset is not frowned upon by God, and a saint mindset is not behavior-based. Now, I'm going to break those three down really quick. A saint mindset is not positive thinking. Listen, you can think positive all you want, but it doesn't mean that everything will change. Positive thinking is great, but positive thinking alone, you know, I can tell myself I'm going to have more hair one day. I'm going to have more hair one day. The reality is I've got a bald spot. I'm not going to show it to you. All right. I'm just acting like it's not there. I can act like it's not there. It's there. Every time I walk past a security camera, I'm well aware of that I'm 47. Okay. So I, so I know that just, it's just, it's, but it's not positive thinking. That's not saint thinking. All right. A saint mindset is not frowned upon by God. Did you hear me? Why in the word of God would God ever call you a saint if he did not fully expect for you to believe it? Why would God call you? Why would his word? Is his word true? Yes, it is. Is his word infallible? Yes, it is. Is his word accurate? Yes, it is. Is his word profitable? Yes, it is. Why would he ever call you a saint if he didn't expect you to believe it. God doesn't frown upon it. And a saint mindset is not behavior-based. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The reason I think we reject saint mindset so often is because we really do have a hard time separating God accepting us based on what we do. Let me ask you a question, friend. Would you really want God to love you based on how you act? No. (laughs) Would you really want, I actually, I was in a session one time with a lady. She was really having a a difficult time. Her marriage was in the the ditch and, and man, she had, uh, I I was, I was, it was a clear within the first three minutes, she was going to need a a way, you know, pastors, we are not counselors. Let me tell you something, man. We we can help you a little bit, but we are not counselors. We're not qualified for that. We, we, that is, that is a skill set that is demanded for people that do that for a living. And so, so, but I, I sat in with this lady for a little bit and and I remember telling her she had such shame. She had all this shame and all this guilt. And I, and we began talking about this very issue. And I said, let me ask you something. I said, you do understand that God doesn't love you based on how you act. And she never hesitated. She said, I don't believe that. I said, I want to say it to you again. God doesn't love you based on how you act. She said, I don't believe that. I said, let me ask you a question. Would you want him to love you based on how you act? She said, no. See, she grew up in church. She said, no. I said, well, then you should be glad. God doesn't love you based on how you act. She said again, I don't believe that. So she knew one thing, but she rejected it in another sense. And you can't live in two worlds like that. You see, behavior, behavior is not what God bases his love for you on. That's why Christ came. You could never achieve saint on your own merit. But you know, that is precisely, when we think of a saint, what do you think of? Well, most of you think of your grandmother. I think of Nanny Coleman. I think of my grandmother who literally, I don't know anybody that lived like that. I think of my mom. I think of my mom, the most holy woman you could imagine. She would never believe that. 
But it's true. I think, we, we, why? We, watch what we do. We compare ourselves. Are you with me? You tracking? We compare ourselves with somebody else. And that is not, it doesn't say in Colossians chapter 1, verse 2, to all the saints who think they're saints based on comparing their behavior with other people. He doesn't say that. He says you are saints because Christ made you that way. So I'll, I spent some time this week with a, on, on a Zoom call with a, a man that's become a, a very good friend of mine. Uh, I'm very honored not to just call him an acquaintance. I'm, I'm honored to call him a brother. He's a brother in Christ. And I wanna, I'm going to play it for you. This is Milt Louder. And uh, that's my friend Milt. And let me tell you who, who Milt is. Uh, Milt uh, was a clinical psychologist. He had a practice, so like, you know, things like uh, marriage, uh, eating disorders, all the things you would imagine for a counselor. He has a PhD and, and a very intelligent human being. But he began to get into more human performance and, and peak performance and people into growth performance. And so he began to work with, he's worked with PGA Tour players. He's, they've worked with Major League Baseball players. Uh, he works with uh, big healthcare companies like Abbott. Uh, he is a performance coach. He, uh, he, they work with the University of Georgia. Amplos is his company. And he's also, he works with Clemson. Clemson is uh, one of his major clients and he works with Coach Swinney and, and works with the players and the coaches on on how they look at their world. It's not just, it's, it's a mental. They literally, uh, the, his clients, it's very common in the corporate space to bring in people to help you think better. Now, Milt's become a, a good friend and, and we, we were gonna do this live and then, and, and, oh no, maybe but there was too much at risk. Maybe the technology wouldn't work. And also, I just know me and I know Milt and we have a lot of things in common. And so we were probably gonna spend the first 15 minutes talking about duck hunting and y'all have care nothing about that. So I thought it might be better if we just try to film this thing and then uh, I can record it and then chop out the, the important part. And so, true to fashion, we spent uh, an hour talking. Uh, imagine that. Uh, and then, uh, but I want you to, Milt, Milt is paid a lot of money and his company has paid a lot of money for executives. They pay him to come in and help their, help their team think differently. Well, it's obviously working. There's times and I'll, I'll be on ESPN and I'll hear Coach Swinney say something. And I'm like, that's a Milt Louder statement. I, I, I can tell it. They're, they're just good at helping you think through the ways you look at your world. So I'm going to play for you. We're talking about why Christians, we got into this section on why is it that Christians are so leery of mindset thinking, mindset talk, self-talk. Why, why are we leery of that? Why are we so leery of positive thinking? Well, we've seen the worst side of it. So Milt is going to walk you through a little bit of this. Let's watch it, then I'm going to come back. And you've kind of built Amplos around that. You and Drew, y'all built kind of that when you founded it, but that, that's been a centerpiece, right? Yeah, it's been a centerpiece. And in fact, my first tagline, the, the, the first name of the company was Louder Group, was transform your thinking, transform your life, which we know comes out of Romans 12 too. Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah. that foundation of as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What, whatever you believe in your mind, heart, and will about yourself, yes, that's what you're going to be. Yeah. Now, you made a statement the first time I ever heard you on this podcast. I had to write it down, and I 
I had to probably spend 10 minutes going, I think I know what that man means, but that is, that is a deep statement. And I think it's a reflection of Proverbs as a man thinks in his heart. So he is, but I'm going to try to say it. And I, I want you to say it the way it's supposed to be said, but you said something to this effect that the brain seeks to develop the most dominant, or the brain seeks to develop the dominant picture with which you attach the most emotion. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. 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 That's probably, I don't have it written down anywhere, but, but like your brain will seek to develop the most dominant picture that you paint with which you attach the most emotion. So to walk us through that. I, th I know you're right. Cause I spent a lot of time with you, but what does that mean? And so what it means, it says, I think it's Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision that people will perish. And so what is the writer of Proverbs trying to tell us with as you think, so you are, where there is no vision that people will perish, is I have to have a clear picture in my mind, first and foremost, of who God is. And then who did he create me to be in Christ? Like not who I think I am, but, but I'm a new, as you said, I got a new mind. I got a new mindset. I have a new lens. I'm, I'm a new spirit. Yeah. And so our brain was developed the most dominant picture that we paint with which we attach the most emotion. The strongest emotion that we experience as humans is fear. Okay. And anxiety. And so in fact, I, you know, you can correct me, but, but I've heard like over 360 something times in the Bible, God saying, Hey, don't be afraid. Do That's not right. fear. Do not and be he said, And he says that on the basis of any time in scripture where you hear God say, fear not yeah. it's because he knows you are absolutely yeah or when he says you should be when in, in, the, in the minor prophets be ashamed it's because they're not ashamed yes so so when he says do not fear it mean, jesus already presupposes i know your heart is troubled absolutely we're going to struggle with this like like our thoughts aren't his thoughts our ways aren't his ways like we have a different lens and so as human beings we're limited and so if i'm able to to, to understand that and I'm able to paint a different picture in my mind of who I want to be and how I want to be. And I'm working from a position of strength and I'm working of a position of confidence in God and who he created me to be. And that's the picture I'm going to develop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so would it be safe to say, and I've used this illustration from the pulpit before and I've used it because it's just something that everybody can has, everybody's probably experienced this. When, it, it, when you talk about the, the brain, the brain seeks to construct, it seeks to develop, it seeks to literally make construction. It will paint the picture of the most dominant picture that, or emotion that you attach. So an, an illustration of that would be a 15-year-old girl or a 20-year-old girl, she may be beautiful. Yeah. I mean, she may actually be stunning, but if she thinks she's ugly, it doesn't matter what anybody tells her. It doesn't matter how many beauty pageants she wins. It doesn't matter how skinny she is. If she thinks she's fat, she's fat. If she thinks she's ugly, she's ugly. And that, that narrative will frame up everything she believes about herself, and it will also frame up how she treats other people. And is that, is that, is that, is that a good illustration? That's a great illustration. As okay. you think, so you are, we tend to set limits on ourselves based on what we read in the Bible about ourselves and our shame and our guilt and our fear. Like we aren't worthy and there's a whole lot of truth to that. But with that, we buy into the lies 
that the world is telling us about who we need to be and how we need to be, and we don't feel we measure up. So my brain is constantly seeking to develop that picture of what you can't do and who you aren't. And so we got to accept that. Now, I, I think another reason why Christians are so hesitant about psychology, what I'm saying, just because I say I can, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Sure. Yeah, I can stand out in my driveway right now and say, I'm going to dunk it. I'm yeah. not going to dunk it. But if I say I can't, then I won't even give an effort. And so we tend to set limits on ourselves. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And my, my Bible right here, I just have beside it, no limits, no regrets. And I interpret that as who am I to set a limit on what God can do in you, through you, and for you? And why am I setting limits in my mind of what God can do in my life? So we're going we're gonna to take that, the whole conversation. We're going to put it out this week on YouTube, on social media. We're going to put it into our pod, one of our podcasts. I want you to hear that whole conversation. But that last part. Listen to what Milt said. I love, he's such a man of God. But, but, but he said, who am I to set limits on who God says I am? Who am I to do that? I, that's not my place. So what, what is a saint mindset? Mindset, that, that story you tell yourself. So what is a saint mindset? Well, I'm a saint. I'm a saint first and foremost because Christ canceled my past. Aren't you glad? I'm a saint because of the Christ canceled my past. I want you to look at that. I'm a saint because Christ canceled my past. I was reading this week in 2 Peter, and Peter is trying to talk to the Christians about who they are now versus who they were. And, and just a, there's a small line in there, and you'll read right past that first few verses in 2 Peter. But look at what Peter says. He says, keep going. He didn't say keep going, but he's, there's a verse there. Are we... There it is. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. He's writing that to Christians. Did you notice he, he said, we can forget that we were once made right. We have a very easy time accepting that Jesus canceled my past. But we have a very difficult time living in that reality. We have a very difficult time living in that reality. I'm a saint because Jesus canceled my past, but I'm also a saint now. I'm a saint, therefore the Spirit empowers my present. Jesus canceled my past, but he gave me the Holy Spirit, which is all of Christ in me to empower the present. In, in, in fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, there, that same, in that same passage that we just read just a minute ago about forgetting who you, who you now or who you once were, that Christ has forgiven all of that, he says in 2 Peter 1 that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He, his divine power, that's the Holy Spirit, living in me has, giving me has given me everything I need. So you have a new power in you. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, friend, listen, I told you last week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep saying it. Jesus didn't repurpose you. He didn't remodel you. He didn't get you better. He, no, Galatians 2 says, I have been crucified in Christ. I was put to death. The guy that used to live no longer lives in Jason Cruz. That man is dead. September 2nd, 1990. There's not a tombstone in Tullahoma, Tennessee, but on that day there was a funeral. 
And on that funeral, Christ put me to death and he raised me to walk in a new life. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that happened to you, friend? We don't just do that up there just for, you know, pomp and circumstance. We, we show baptisms because that is the greatest picture of a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. I have been buried in Christ and I no longer live. I've been raised to walk in a whole new life. I'm a saint, therefore God empowers my present through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the question we got to ask ourselves is what is the motive? What is the motive of the enemy to keep me from embracing this mindset? Because I find that most Christians, including Jason, we have a really difficult time. I tried it one time. You guys think I'm joking. I do weird stuff from time to time. You know, I can be, I can, I'll try stuff. And I don't know when it was, but it's been sometime in the last three or four years. I remember one day getting ready for work and I, I, we had this big mirror in our bathroom and, and, and I stood there and I just looked in the mirror and I said, I'm a saint. And, and I couldn't say it without laughing. Because I like, is this really true? And I, I said, I'm a saint. But in my mind, whatever, whatever, right? Whatever. No. The story I tell myself is going to determine my direction. Because belief steers direction. So what's the motive of the enemy? That, that, as Milt said, why does Christians struggle with this? Why do we struggle to embrace that mindset? I'll tell you why the enemy is constantly, the, the devil is real. Paul talks in, even in Colossians about powers and authorities and rulers. He's talking about spiritual authorities. Why is that real, friend? Why is your enemy constantly whispering in your ear? I'll tell you why. Because the, the devil knows what happened to you because the devil sees the power of Christ unleashed across this world. And so the devil cannot, are you listening to me? This is really important. The devil cannot, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and he has cleansed you from all your sins, the devil cannot steal or affect your eternity. Aren't you glad? He cannot steal or affect your eternity, but he can jack up and mess up your present. He can mess up your present. Jack up is a real theological term. It's in Leviticus, all right? No, but, but the, the, he can do it. Why? Because if the enemy can get you, listen to me close. If the enemy can get you, if he can hold you hostage, see to it that no one takes you captive with vain philosophies. If the enemy can hold you hostage with a mindset of shame or guilt or effort or you're not good enough or if they only knew, if he can just keep you right there, you know what's going to happen? He's going to disarm the authority and disarm the power that you have in Christ and he will cause you to be immobilized. And you know what he'll do? He'll keep you eating from his hand. He'll keep you eating from his hand. You see, when you don't believe that you are a saint, that God calls you a saint, it just means you've been made holy by Christ. If you don't believe that, well, then guess who sets the narrative? The enemy sets the narrative. The enemy sets the narrative. And the enemy has, listen to me, the enemy has no right to tell you who you are. 
The enemy has no right to tell you who you are. That's God's job. That's God's job. I'm a new creature in Christ, says the word of God. The motive. So why does this matter? That's the big question. Why does this matter to God? Why does it really matter? Why does your mindset matter so much? Why are we doing this whole series? Why does your mindset matter to God? Well, I think it's really summed up well in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of that of yourselves, not of any human effort. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that is things you can do to earn God's favor. No, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. That means we are his masterpiece. That word literally means masterpiece, work of art. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. My stars, there's a lot in that statement. There's so much in that statement. I want to focus on just that last part for a second. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we could do. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you why the mindset matters so much to God. Let me tell you why your mindset matters so much to God. Because God did not create you only to lose you to sin. Did you hear me? God did not create you. He did not form you. He did not make you in the womb only to lose you to the power of sin. So what did he do? He sent Christ. He sent Christ to redeem you. He sent Christ that you could love him back. Jesus was there so that you don't have to get lost to the power of sin. The Bible says that for every person that does not accept Christ, they will spend an eternity in hell. God did not create you to lose you to the power of sin. And I want to tell you to all you that are Christians, God did not save you to lose you to slavery. Did you hear me? God did not save you only to lose you to the power of slavery. No. Now, let me tell you why we have such a hard time believing this thing about saint mindset. I'll tell you why. Because we've seen the worst of it. We've seen the ugly side of it. We've seen prosperity gospels. And people on television for the last 50 years saying things to you like, you have a destiny and God's going to make you rich. Well, listen, that hadn't happened to me yet. How rich is rich enough? Well, it depends. I was driving down the road the other day talking to my youngest son, Tucker, and we were talking about wealth. And and I said, son, do you know that the very fact that you have a home and a bicycle And you know where your food's coming from every day. Do you know that by global standards, you are a very rich little boy? He said, really? I said, you are. Do you know that most, the vast majority, you're in the top 1% club. Most little boys and girls in this world don't even have a bicycle to ride. And you do. In fact, you have a bicycle and a scooter. It's a different mindset. You see... We have a tough time believing because we've heard all these preachers talking about your destiny and your, your, it's the toxic side. It's a, a health and wealth gospel. Let me tell you something. Let's go back to that verse for just a minute that we just said and showed in Ephesians two. Let me tell you, it says you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God didn't save you to make your name great. 
God saved you to make his name great. God didn't save you to make you rich. God's already rich. He doesn't need you or me for anything. Out of his great love, he didn't have to, but he did. Isn't that neat? He didn't have to, but he did. He saved you to make his name great. But what we do is we live in this we live in this momentary victory with perpetual misery and struggle. You're not called to that, friend. You're not called to live a life of momentary victories trumped mostly by perpetual struggle and defeat. God didn't save you for that. God saved you to make his name great. I want to say something to you, and I want you to chew on it, and I want you to, to marinate on it. That God gets no glory. He gets no glory from defeated people. For you to walk around with your head down and your soul downcast, God gets no glory from that. The world looks at you. Your coworkers look at you. Your student friends look at you. When you go to college, the people that you're hanging out with in fraternities, the people you're going to the coffee shop with, the people you're going to Chipotle with, the friends that you run around with, the people that are, that are at your card games, the people you, you hunt and fish with, the people you play golf with, the people you go shopping with, all of those people are looking at you. And what they should see is a person with their head up and their eyes clear, overwhelmed that God could save a person, but he did, but he did. I'm not who I used to be, I'm not. God changed me through Christ. God gets no glory from defeated people. He doesn't get any glory from that. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, good works. You are destined If you want to talk about destiny, you are destined to live out the kingdom of God so that his name can be great and that his name can be honored and that his name can be glorified. You, friend, are called. You are called to engage a lost world. You're called to engage a confused world. Do you think our world's confused right now? Oh, come on. You think our world's messed up? Who are we? Franklin, you think Franklin's not confused? You think Williamson County's not confused? You know, you think we don't, we don't have things that this whole world seems to be imploding? What does the world need? Bought by Christ, saved, spirit-filled Christians with the answer. That's what the world needs. And guess what? You've got it. You've got it. But you've got to embrace it. Because belief steers direction. Belief steers direction. I'm going to tell you something. Without any doubt in my mind, without any doubt in my mind, I am certain that God is positioning Clearview Baptist Church to make a dent and an impact in this region beyond anything we could ask or imagine. If I did not Believe that to the depths of my DNA, I can promise you I would not be here. I would find other things to do with my time. I'm spending a a career, I'm investing my life here. That doesn't make me special, but I could invest my life anywhere. Michelle and I choose to invest our life here. Why? Because I am convinced that God is going to take this group of people on Franklin Road and he is going to make his name great 
in this town, in the marketplace, with bankers and school teachers and students and law enforcement officers and counselors and nurses and doctors and accountants and salesmen and saleswomen, IT people, retired people, young people, old people. Jesus is going to make his name great through us. And I know it. We are not called to live defeated. And we are going to embrace the fact that we may not be who we ought to be, but praise God, we're not who we used to be. And we are going to go forward in the good works that Christ Jesus prepared for us to do. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.